welcome to episode 13 of Never Seen, the podcast where we watch the films missing from our filmographies, those glaring gaps in our film education, the classic or immortal movies people are shocked you've never seen. My name is Jenny, I am your host, and joining me as ever are my delightful friends, the lovely Stacey. Hello, governors. And the ever delightful Lee. Hello. And we are now, guys, with episode 13, we are now at one year of podcasting this little show. Yeah, happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. I should have had a cake and ate it on air. Uh, you should have done. Got, I, did, I did that on the parlour once, and I've got to say, even editing it, I was like, oh, what did I do this for, a prick? <laughs> you were like, well, Jenny's got misophonia, so chewing down the road probably, probably wouldn't be particularly... Welcome. This is also true. This is why this is why I'm mute when I have apart from I don't want to hear crunching on a podcast. Uh, this is why I'm mute when I snack when we're on a podcast together. And even when I drink, I mute. And also, you know, when I want to fart. Anyway. <laughs> so. Cool. Look at the inside baseball. Look behind the curtain of podcasting. <laughs> Keep, keeping it classy. Oh, as ever. Always classy. Always classy. So. This month, Lee, it was your choice. And what did you have us watch this month? OK, so this month we picked um, Get Carter, 1971 crime thriller, written, directed by Mike Hodges, based on the novel by Ted Lewis, starring Michael Caine. This one I picked because, if I'm right, none of us have seen this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I feel like I should have seen. Um, I really should have seen by now and i think i've seen um i my, my history with it is it was a film that was kind of floating around when i was a teenager on tv and kind of got talked about at school yeah i better know why and i'd seen i actually did some proper research and found out because there was a tv cut version that was shown right that cut out certain scenes and I remember mm. seeing one specific certain scene. So I must have seen the 1986 screening for every 1986 bit, because I, I know I've only seen the phone sex scene. Oh, I remember right. seeing that bit. So, right, right. But I'd not seen anything else apart from the famous clips on the car park and um, the, 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 the naked with the shotgun scene mm. which which are just, but those are just clips that you see yeah but anyway so the 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 blurb of it is the 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 plot of the movie is um michael kane plays jack carter who's a london mobster who who was born in newcastle but he's been living in london for 14 years we don't know and at the start of the film we find out he's going back to newcastle to find out the circumstances behind his brother's death. His brother's died in a car crash, a drunken car crash. He doesn't believe it was an accident. He's going to find out what the deal is. And then it becomes a kind of detective stroke revenge movie. Um, My immediate feelings on it was I didn't like it very much in the, in the, (laughs) I no, that's not right. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> it's going to be a short episode. I no. kind of, I kind of, um, I was watching it going. It's very, very squalid. 
It's very grimy. There's something about British movies in the 1970s, whether it's the film stock or the lighting or the weather or whatever it is, they look horrible. Mm. They look super, super cheap, like like it's super eight. And I don't know what it is, because if you look at British films from the 60s, they look gorgeous. All those Technicolor Hammer horrors Mm -hmm. look look amazing. And then, you know, and then in the 80s, you've got all late 70s, you've got all the movies, you know, the Hollywood movies made over here, you know, like, you know, yeah, Blade Alien and Superman and Star Wars and so on. Those look great. But but in the 70s, there, there was I mean, I think the British film industry was kind of on its on its arse a bit. We were kind of just making kind of hammered kind of past its peak. So there wasn't really kind of like the horror movie thing going on, particularly. And the ones that were made were a bit, a bit sleazy. We had a, a thriving kind of sex comedy industry, a thriving kind of blue movie industry and they were just kind of making tv series movie spin-offs you know like rising damp and george and mildred and um the likely lads and stuff like that on the buses Mm. and that kind of stuff and if you watch those they all look the same they all have this kind of really cheap squalid they look like a tv movie you know where they used to do the outside broadcast bits yeah Uh, of, of sitcoms or you know or coronation street or whatever and it had switched from videotape to really cheap looking film and they this is what it is now i remember i've had conversations about this on twitter about what's what's the deal with it and there was some of the, the you know the, the people who are a bit more knowledgeable about the film industry than i am suggested that it's because because there was no real film industry at the time all the film studios were closing down even the american studios with i think like get carter was like the last film that mgm commissioned for for their uk studios and then they just fucking hightailed it back to hollywood and so there was there was no real movie industry like movies were being made by tv crews essentially using tv equipment which is why these things look like tv broadcasts you know mm-hmm. so but that's that's the thing but that's that's the thing i always find that really off-putting with these they they all look really cheap and like i say you, you know even like you know the late carry-on films and stuff like that mm-hmm. they, they there's no gloss to them at all they look yeah they, they're just looking pleasant to me to watch um now that actually works in this film's favor i thought because it's a very squalid story and a very um seedy mm, story yeah so that it kind of works in its favor it's a very anti hollywood it's clearly that from what i gather they were trying to make an american type crime movie that that was dark and and took gangsters seriously Whereas the tradition for in British movies to do gangster movies was kind of to play it for laughs mm. and play them as kind of dumb and funny. And Michael Caine said one of the reasons he did this was to address that because he grew up around, you know, monsters and crime, organised crime and stuff like that. And they weren't like that. And he wanted to do something that kind of represented that on the screen. 
So you get that kind, of, and it it does just look and feel kind of horrible. There's there's like there's only really I thought like two shots in the film that look like movie shots. One is the very first shot you see mm-hmm. of Michael mm-hmm. Caine sort of in the window, framed in the window with a black, completely black surround. And then there's a shot much. Oh, yeah. yeah spoiler alert. There will be spoilers. Um, there's, there's a scene later on where there's a bit of a shootout. And that film just that scene, sorry, stood out for me for being like, oh, this is this is a, a movie scene now. We've got a, a shootout. You know, guns felt very kind of incongruous and almost. And but there's one shot of that where you see a close up of uh, well, it's, it's a long shot of Michael Caine holding a gun directly towards the camera. And it kind of snap cuts in mm-hmm. to him. And those are the only two shots that I felt like were movie shots. Everything else kind of feels like it was shot on the fly. It feels very documentary style uh, and very it's kind of, it, and it just looks very grimy and it's almost like and homemade almost um the yeah. cast is i mean you've got not much of a cast there in in in, in the way of like names you've got michael kane and mm-hmm. then the rest of the cast is kind of character actors kind of recognizable faces but nobody you could probably put a name to particularly probably alan armstrong is probably the most famous person in it and this was his first film and he's still barely recognizable i mean he's a baby face in this practically he is you know i recognized um the name but i I didn't recognize her in it but i recognize the name brett eckland yeah well yeah so that yeah that's the other one obviously yeah that was a stupid thing for me to say yeah brett eckland was was a big name at the time um but but i was hard pushed like i i knew of brett eckland's at the time but i couldn't tell you what movie she'd been in no and even checking her filmography um you go okay she was she was in um like a bond movie she was in like the wicker man she was in the man with the golden gun um and then that's kind of it those were a kind of and this were a kind of her big movies you know she was she was more known i think and i don't want to be like you know you know, pissing anybody off and, you know, getting emails or anything. But it felt like she was more of like tabloid fodder at the time. Mm. She, was, I remember her being about, because I think she was married to Peter Sellers at the time. And I think, or it might have been, she was, because I know she was married for, to Peter Sellers for a while. And, and then she was like either Rod Stewart's girlfriend or wife at some point as well. And yeah. it feels like she was one of these famous for being famous. She never really made a name as an actress, particularly. She was kind of known as a, like a a sex idol or a bombshell. Well, yeah, because uh, like you say, looking at her filmography, it's yes, there are films, but it's, it's a lot of TV work, a lot mm. of TV work. And it's like obviously just guest starring. So it's not. Yeah, it's not always more than a handful of episodes or maybe one one to six episodes. Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Um, it's your, it's your it's your guest appearance, isn't it? It's your ce- celebrity, <clears throat> yeah, celebrity guest appearance of the week type things. Like she did, like two episodes of Battlestar Galactica. She did, I don't know, your Magnums and your Hawaii Five O's and and that yeah. sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So uh, and she's barely in it. You know, she's clearly mm-hmm. cast for the for the for the totty role. You know. Yeah. Um, and I know. 
she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do a new, another um, kind of sexy. Because I think she'd already done two movies where she was like a gangster's mole. She had a film called Stiletto, um, where she was another kind of, you know, that kind of the gangster's girlfriend type. Thing. Yeah. And she didn't want to do it, but she, but she, I think she'd had some bad investments or, and she needed to do the job for the money basically. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a good career move for her because it turned out to be one of her major, you know, roles. Yes. But, but like I said, there's, but there's not a lot to it really she's there you know she's furniture it's one of those it's mm. it's not it's not a lady's film it's not an actress's film um oh no it's not at all not, you know no. yeah but um so yeah so i i hadn't had any history with it. it it was just a film that was out and about at the time um that you kind of would you know you, people are talking about it and i don't think it was a particularly a huge film either it's one of those that got mentioned in the playground but when it was released it did moderately well it did okay over it It didn't you know break box office records or anything it was kind of slagged off by the uh by the critics the critics critics didn't like it at all um which doesn't surprise me i think the audiences kind of went to it a bit more it was a bit different but then it was only i think in the 90s it kind of got its reputation back um, with, the, with the whole the, the late nineties with the Cool Britannia thing, yeah, and with all the Austin Powers and the Spice Girls, and you know you had the lads mags, lad culture, all that kind of lock stock came out, and it kind of it kind of got reevaluated in the late nineties, um, and yeah, and that's what it kind of kind of made. I remember having a I think it was a CD with Empire. Mm-hmm. Of of great movie themes or something like that, and it had got the 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 opening titles from um, from Get Carter on there, which is a brilliant piece of music. It's a be- brilliant mm. theme, um, but it's kind of strange actually. And I knew that, and I, I was a big fan of that piece, that music. You know, I'm a big you know movie soundtracks and that. So it was kind of interesting actually to see the film that 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 music's attached to. Now. Yeah, it's like mm. to have a context for that was interesting and it's a great piece of music but i, don't, I actually don't feel like it goes with the movie do you know what all. you you saying that what i found quite interesting was because i was absolutely digging that piece of music during the sort of opening credits mm. and then the rest of the soundtrack i couldn't i couldn't i know there's bits where there weren't there wasn't score anyway mm. but like the rest of it was very sort of like uh, completely unmemorable. I couldn't tell you what it sounded like, to be honest. Oh well, there is no music. There's very little music at all. That the whole score is like about ten minutes or something <laughs> like that. There, it, there's a you know there, there's on the DVD. I bought the DVD, and one of the bonus features is a score only um, audio track, right? Now, normally we got something like that. It's because there's a lot of music. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that does seem a little bit baffling. It's mm. it's wild, but it you know, but it's it's funny because like you know, you you think I mean I think there's a couple of songs like you know and stuff like that in the in the there's a nightclub and a pub yeah. scene. And stuff like that. Yeah. But that's not what you're you're thinking about. There's there's literally the opening. Uh, you know, Carter takes the train. The opening theme. And then it, it recurs a couple of times through the film at different tempos, you know, 
then it's there at the end. There's no end titles particularly. It just finishes mm-hmm. and that's the end of it. Um, but it's, so it's really strange for a film that has such a famous theme that there's so little music in it. There's, there's, there's music at one point. I think it might have been, again, it might be the, the shootout scene. There's a bit of music or there's, no, mm-hmm. or there's a, a bit of a chase, I think. Yeah. yeah, a bit of a chase at the end, and the, the music in that just feels completely incongruous. It it, it feels like it's come from another movie. Uh, yeah. it's that it's very strange to have any kind of music because it just sets up such a tone of uh, like a documentary tone that you don't you don't um, yeah you know, it doesn't feel like a movie. It's very it's a very peculiar movie. <laughs> I uh, so I. I should preface this entire episode by saying that that this recording caught me at a bad time. Um, I'm having I'm having a mental health wobble, and so I was pushing I was pushing watching this film because I thought I'll just I'll watch it tomorrow because maybe I'll feel better tomorrow, and then I didn't feel better tomorrow, so I'll watch it tomorrow, and then I didn't feel better that tomorrow either, and I literally ended up leaving it until like the day before we record, like the last possible minute yeah. that I could have watched it. Um, but like I was actually um a bit let down by this because <laughs> because I a couple of years ago well I say a couple of years ago it must have been pre-covid um Rich and I went to see the TV show The Prisoner at the Electric Cinema they were putting it on it was like a Rain Rich's birthday he loves it so I was like great mm. let's do that what a cracking birthday present. I am the world's best wife. Let's go. And uh, when we got there, they showed a few trailers for like upcoming, you know, things. And because the electric cinema has only got two screens and it's like the oldest cinema in the UK and what have you, they often actually just show like old stuff. It's very rare that they get new movies in. Mm. Um, So there was like a lot of adverts for stuff and there was a trailer for Get Carter and I've never been more excited for something in my entire life. I thought, cool, blimey, what a fucking brilliant movie that looks like and then promptly forgot about it after watching Hours of the Prisoner. Mm. Um, (laughs) But I remember, I genuinely remember thinking that that trailer is how you make a trailer because if you watch that trailer and you're not even vaguely enticed by this movie, I don't know if you've got eyes and ears. Um, so I was like kind of secretly buzzing when you picked this because I thought, mm. yes, I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking it looked fucking rad. And now I've got an occasion to watch it. And I spoke to Rich and he said he really likes the film. So I was like, great. And then I put it on and I think all of the exciting sequences were in that two minute trailer. It's a lot. It's a lot of like a man sort of walking around grumpily, isn't it, or doing a sex like? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not um, it's it's not an action movie. Not at all. No. It's like a, it, It's almost. It kind of reminds me a bit, and this is going to sound weird, of Blade Runner, in that mm. there's a not a, there's not a lot of action. There's no car chases and stuff and shootouts and stuff in Blade Runner. So it's almost like that with with zero budget. So, but yeah. instead of walking around like this futuristic you know techno landscape is just walking around newcastle in this yeah do you know what it reminded me of the setting of it really put me in the mind of like the old hellblazer comics 
Yeah, I mean, it's very like it, John Constantine. It I really think. is. And I think a little bit of that was possibly, and again, this is entirely the fault of my brain and not the film. A little bit of that was like, oh, it'd be cool. This film would be better if there was magic in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't, yeah, I, I, I'd be very surprised if Alan Moore didn't take a bit of this when he created uh, John Constantine for, yeah. for something. Because it feels, it does feel like John Constantine is Jack Carter plus magic yeah yeah and i know when warren ellis did a kind of variation on he did his kind of pseudo version his analog of john constantine in planetary the comic planetary i think he called him jack carter in that <laughs> and it, it is and it's clearly you know th- those lines have clearly been drawn before and it mm. does feel that kind of squally in fact that's it kind of like like the Constantine movie that came out is very clearly not the comic. Yeah, yeah. You go, yeah, but he, but at the same time you don't want to go, but it should look like this, and it kind of should. <laughs> but, yeah. But what a weird movie that would be. And I'm not sure if it'd be yeah. a brilliant movie if it looked like Get Carter with kind of demons, or if that would be the best thing ever, really. Mm. But it's but like I say, I mean, get cut is a complete time capture anyway, because that's that's you know that Newcastle that you see there does literally doesn't exist anymore. Mm. You know, most of those buildings that you see there don't exist. It's all been demolished. You know, this was just when Newcastle was going through kind of like a, a regener regeneration period and a gentrification period. Mm. And, and 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 everything you know was got just flattened and rebuilt and stuff like that. I've I've been to Newcastle a couple of times and I was kind of watching this expecting to recognise stuff. Yeah. And you just don't, you know. And Newcastle's a really nice city now. There's there's a lot, you know, it's a really beautiful city. But it's it's but one of the things I kind of now I should say that like when I said I, I didn't enjoy it, I kind of appreciated as i was watching it but it's what yeah i was watching it going i know like i know people who love this movie mm. who who watch this movie like i watch star wars or <laughs> so, you know they'll just go oh i'm just going on all the time and you know and now they know the dialogue and and all that kind of, it's completely not that kind of a movie i was sitting there going this is kind of unpleasant <laughs> yeah. to look at it's you know you can it smells yeah. <laughs> I, I had a I had a real hard time with it because um I struggled and again I don't know if this is just the nature of the fact that I'm going through some things or whether it is the, the fault of the movie. But it's I was not a mental health boosting movie. Not at all. In, in any but way, I, shape or form. <laughs> no, but I feel like if if you if you were invested in Jack Carter himself, it would be <laughs> A good film. Like I can't call it a bad film because I don't think it's badly made. I don't think it's particularly badly written. I don't. I don't think Michael Caine is as good as everybody says he is. But maybe that's just me. Um, probably said something controversial. <clears throat> going to get lynched on the internet for that. But no, um. I think well, you know, if they lynch you, they're going to have to come through me because <laughs> I. I the, yeah, let's talk about Michael Caine for a second. Now, he's he's a legendary actor. There's you can't argue mm. that. Uh-huh. He's had a phenomenal career. He's done everything. And he's literally done everything. Yeah. He's won Oscars and he's done Jaws 4. 
right? <laughs> so he, he will do he will do anything. And he will unashamedly go, I did this for the money. Like you go he did yeah. for for, people yeah. will ask him yeah. and go, Why did you Jaws the Revenge? You know, and he goes, Because I wanted a pool put in it. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. I need, you know? yeah, I just that I need the money. And he, yeah. Yeah. And he just go, I I'm a jobbing actor. I'll do stuff for the job. If I can do good stuff, that's great. And if I can, you know, really stretch my craft, that's great. But also, I want to make money. This is my, this is my job. So, I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of Michael Caine. He's been in a lot of films I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Zulu. I think Zulu's a phenomenal movie. I've never seen. And he, he, no, yeah. I, I haven't either. It's okay. Yes, you have. You've watched it with me. Did I? Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, I did. <laughs> Left an indelible impression on Jenny there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, so I, I kind of, I've never, I've never really been a fan of his. I've always kind of enjoyed him in spite of his performance. Yeah. I think it's a good physical performance. I think if you just listen to the soundtrack, if you close your eyes or just record it, his performances are awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's atrocious. His delivery of things is is yeah. genuinely quite baffling on occasion. It, it is. It's just quite <laughs> normal. I, but I think if, but you know, opposite of that, if you mute it, I think, and you just look at his performance, they're incredible. The stuff mm. he does with his eyes and and mannerisms and stuff like that is incredible. But like I so I'm because I I used to again. This is dating me now. Mm. If it was hard to buy. Uh, movie soundtracks and stuff so i was one of these kids who used to literally record the end of movies to get the theme songs at the end you know the theme music mm. at the end of the end credits and you, you never were quite sure when the film you know was going to end so and i'd sometimes end up with bits of the end bits of dialogue and stuff like that and uh, the, he did a film called the swarm which was a, like a big disaster creature feature about swarms of bees that attack you. <laughs> yeah. It's a preposterous. preposterous <laughs> but it's got a great theme music, just phenomenal, great theme music. And I recorded, I recorded it with the tape recorder against the TV to get the end music because it's really good. And I got the end, you know, bits of you know Michael Caine dialogue, and you listen to it on its own, and it's quite. And you think, jeez. He's like, he's just randomly picking emotions out of a hat box. To, to, you know, I'm going to shout this one. I'm going to growl this one and I'm going to mutter this line. Do you, know what, do you know what really baffles me as well is that when you look at it and you think a lot of these films that he does, they're, they're going to have done more than one take and this was the best one. <laughs> well, this is, this is the thing. I, th- I think, I honestly think. He he is he does good performances. I just I I just think there's a real kind of separation from if you listen to it, it's a different performance to what you look at. Mm. I I don't think like we've talked before a lot about the difference between movie actors and voice actors. Yeah. And and when you know because we watch a lot of animation and sometimes they'll cast a famous Hollywood actor to do to play Batman or whatever in a in an animated movie and you go. That might be a really famous, great actor, but he is not a good voice actor mm-hmm. because it's a completely different set of skills or a radio actor or whatever. It's a completely different set of skills. I think there's probably a good reason Michael Caine 
doesn't do movie animated movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think you're. <laughs> I think you probably. I, I, oh, actually, I really want that now. <laughs> so do I a little bit. So do I a little bit. I really wanted to, to do like an animated movie. I don't know if he's ever done one. I don't. I don't think he has. And maybe that's why, because it's it would be just so bizarre to an, animate <laughs> because there's there's no direction in the voice at all. Mm-hmm. They tend to be just kind of flat. Um with different levels of volume yeah uh yeah. and different levels of accent depending on what role yeah but like I say, and I, I say yeah i say i didn't i really count to like him like in later years you know i think i think he's as as an older gent actor he's really coming to his own you know <laughs> even and the stuff like and you know and he's good at comedy like you know like, um dirty ron scoundrels he's brilliant in that he's phenomenal and really funny uh, and you know the the Batman movies and stuff like that, and you know um, what was the uh, what's it called, the Prestige. Prestige. And, and, Love that and, movie. Yeah, you know, um, terrific. I think as an as, as an as an old guy, he's really you know coming to that. As a young guy, I'm less kind of impressed of that kind of. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, so I, I don't I, think I like him in main roles. Is the problem? I think I don't like him when he's the sole focus of the thing. Because, I, look, I think I was saying this earlier, and I somehow got cut off and didn't finish my thought. But oh like yeah, the, pro- the problem was, was, I couldn't, I couldn't get invested in his character to mm-hmm. care about what he was trying to do. So then, it, to me, it was just a succession of either increasingly violent or increasingly sexy scenes that I wasn't particularly interested in. So, like, the movie itself isn't bad, but for me, it was just like a... I had a real hard time rating it on Letterboxd because I was like, I don't want to give it, like, less than two and a half because it's certainly not an average movie. But I feel like three is too much because I didn't enjoy it. Like, I'm happy I've seen it, but I'll never watch it again. I don't think it will yeah. ever go in my eyes again unless it absolutely has to for some well, reason. It's, it's interesting because I watched it like a week ago. I watched I watched this one really because I had a I, I had a dull night and I thought, oh, I'll just I, I've got to watch this. I might as well watch it tonight. I've literally got nothing else to watch. I'll watch it again and then I can watch it again before. Yeah, you know, there's a commentary. I can watch it again before we come to the record. So I watched it like a week ago and was kind of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That bit was nice. That I wasn't really taken with. That was, you know, I get what they're doing there. I was coldly watching it and going, that's a nice shot. That's clever how they do that. That's really squalid. That, you know, I feel mm. really kind of depressed by that. <laughs> that, that view of the, those terraces and stuff mm. like that. And I kind of left it and I go, oh, this is going to be a really weird one to review because I'm just going to go through and go through it just going, that's grim. Um, but I then I rewatched it and it kind of it kind of it stayed with me over that week and it kind of percolated. And I think it's one you have to kind of live with. And it might again, it might be, a, you know, a guy girl thing. I don't want to make judgments like about that. But it, I, I can certainly see what because there's nothing there. You know, there's, there's like three or four female characters. None of them have more than like five minutes screen time. You know, the most interesting woman character in, in the in the whole thing is the landlady. Mm. Um, and she doesn't get an awful lot to do. Like I was writing down the like the the, the cast list in my notes. And you, you get to like the four women, Edna, Margaret, Glenda and Doreen. 
and I couldn't tell you which one was which. No, I did have that problem too. You know, like I don't. I had to look. I've had to write next to him, Doreen brackets niece, yeah. Edna brackets landlady, Glenda brackets femme fatale. Uh, you know, and, that, and yeah, the most outstanding female character I think really is is the is the pub singer. <laughs> she gets the best scene where she, yes. <laughs> she where she yeah this this oh just and it just took me back to you know to the working men's clubs when I was a kid and my dad used to take us out and we'd see all these horrible smoky clubs and you know and you got this singer going through singing these kind of she's not a sexy woman to be mm-hmm. fair you know she's not a sultry woman she's singing this kind of sexy song she's flirting with the patrons. And then she gets into a fight with <laughs> one of the guy's wives. And it's it's not a sexy chick fight. It's all they're just it's bloomers to the world and just run around in fag ends and beer spills on the floor. And it's and it's I think it's supposed to be funny because I thought it was hilarious. But it's <laughs> but it's but it's it's kind of evocative. Oh, I think it does speak to a certain generation, certainly. It's it yeah, you watch it and it's like looking at like an alien artifact the amount of smoking in it for a star is well, just mind-boggling I mean, it, it was the 70s i mean everyone yeah. was smoking um well that's well, that, the 50s exactly. and 60s as well completely different world you know yeah. and it's not even like kind of performance smoking it's not even like character like we've mentioned before about cigarettes as a prop a cigarette's yeah. a good prop because you can use it to create pauses dramatic pauses and you know, and stuff like that. These are just normal people just... Oh, yeah. These people like who know how to smoke and do it properly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, it, and it's and it's almost like something... Like like they made a British film of something like, like, like Deliverance. Like he goes off into, like, the backwoods of Newcastle where you've got these kind of inbred, toothless, six-fingered people. Like, there's, there's, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a guy with six fingers in the in the pub. There's the yeah you know, the, the bit where he walks in the pub, mm. the, the, the first shot, and he goes, you know, give me a pint of bitter, you know, in a thin glass, yeah. kind of and then he eyeballs the, the two old guys on him, and they're eyeballing him, and he sort of stares them out, and then the one guy he picks up his beer to have a drink, and he's got six fingers, he's got five fingers and a thumb, oh my hand, like did that. not notice that at all. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, that's what it's about. You know, it ju- it just feels like super kind of kind of real. And it's kind of, yeah, I, th- I think that's what it speaks to people. I like I've, I've read people talk about it as well. I heard people talk, and they talk about the cars. Now, I'm not a car person at mm-hmm. all. And they're just cars to me. They're just mm-hmm. boxy 70s. They all look like Ford Escorts. To I me. mean, a, but a couple of them were very nice. I mean, the Femme Fatale sporty car. Know. I'm and, car blind. And the Heavy's very rich, <laughs> either Bentley or Rolls looking car was very nice too. No. But, I, I mean, but interestingly, though, on the other side of the coin. Real, I don't know. No, on the other side of the coin to you two, I really liked this film. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. Piss off. No, I really did. <laughs> Jenny, really did. the whole way through this, Rich was saying to me, because he thought Lee had picked this because it was a Lee. He was like, oh, this is a Lee movie. This is a white guy's, British white guy's movie. Yeah. He's like, 
this is a leap pick all over. He went, he went, do you reckon Jenny will like it? And I was like, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what gave me that impression. I don't know if it was because I was staring into space thinking about Doritos. I but... don't know. I went into it not, not knowing anything. I had forgotten that, that you, Lee, hadn't seen this as well. I thought you yeah. had. And I also did think, yeah, I could see why Lee would like this, thinking that you had seen it and that it was a you film. Um it's a favourite of my brother's. He really likes it. So he was yeah. he's looking forward to us watching this and he's he's looking forward to hearing what I thought and he hopes that I liked uh. it. I haven't told him that I do like it. And my even my mum likes it and says it's a good film. You know, she says it's very of its time, but she says it's a very good film. Oh, um, I mean, of its time is absolutely it's, yeah. it's a little time capsule, really. Well, that's that's one of the other things that I really like about it, that it is a time capsule mm-hmm. of that time in England as yeah. well to you know to see socially all around like i'm looking at all those streets and stuff and i'm thinking wow it's just like coronation street but it also like yeah it's that kind of that time and era and air yeah. and area as well yeah. you know and um but it just it also reminded me of um it's not the realism because that's you know it's not a realism type film but it also reminds me of like the old kitchen sink dramas. British. It, it is like a kitchen sink 60s. crime movie. Yeah. And I, it's and like I, kitchen sink noir, if that's yeah, even if such that's, a thing. If that is a thing. And I, I liked that about it because I love noir. You know, yeah. I bet you know that. Um, I love a gangster movie, a good gangster movie. You know, I'm not saying this is a full on one. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's not that. Kind, it's not because I, I, as we know, I don't like those you know good yeah. fellas and stuff yeah. like that yeah i kind of object to those i, I bounce yeah. off those things yeah but i do like a good revenge movie yeah so and I, 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 th- I, I think that's what i liked about this as well it's a good revenge movie there were just little things very british things like i even noted down where he goes back to his <clears> brother's <throat> house and the key is hung behind the letterbox yeah. You know, open a letterbox and fish the key through on a piece of strings. Like how many houses used to do that yeah. once upon a time? <laughs> and it was like no one was probably I mean, they probably did. But how often was your house broken into because you left your key hanging behind the letterbox? Well, yeah, I mean, you probably leave your back door open. In the in, you know, in the 70s, a lot of places, particularly like up north and in the Midlands, you wouldn't lock your door. Yeah. Like, you know, my, yeah. my, you know, my nan was certainly of a generation where you didn't you didn't lock your door. Same with my family, yeah. Maybe um, that too. The bit that really talking talking of like of, of the time capsule effect, the bit that really stood out to me was the jazz band. You know, you got the kids, yeah, in the yes, jazz band, yeah. That's really that actually felt super seventies for me because yeah. I, I remember every school had a jazz band when I was a kid, yeah. And every year there'd be a parade of all the all the schools jazz bands going through the town, and it was a big event. And then around about nineteen eighty. 182283 they just disappeared they just mm. vanished um but, so that was that was a complete little bubble for me where I went, yeah. that says but even that it was um i mean it was surprisingly violent as well in a, in a way but also it was um uh it was just like rough violence it wasn't like polished violence you see in a gangster film or another noir film it was like like grab, grabbing a tree branch and yeah. going off and smacking that bloke in the face which looked like it really hurt <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't yeah it wasn't hollywood violence no 
It was, um, like I say, it was very unglamorous violence. Yeah. Very unsexy violence. Yeah. It was yeah. very quick, very sudden, kind of unimpressive. Yes. But kind of brutalist. And, and, kind, his, and his running was very un-Tom Cruise-like, which was... Yeah. Oh, I loved his running. running. Yeah, so his funny. running was great. It was yeah, really the funny. arms out, like an aeroplane, yeah. But, it was, but there was just, like, uncomfortable, odd scenes. So, you know, he, he knocks out that guy at that pond... He runs up to the country estate. He gets into the house and he just walks into the room where they're playing cards. And then he just sits down and all he does really, Carter, all he really does is he just watches them play cards. And he's like, to the uh, the, to the guy who's being really arsy and like, can you just play the cards? Come on, play cards. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's going to take your money from you in, in like two seconds. You know, by the time I leave, he'll have taken all your money. Um, And nothing really happens in this scene. Well, well, again, because, and this is one of the things I did like about it, is everything's unspoken. So you don't find, like in the opening scene where you got the two, you know, you got Arkel yeah. Kane and the two mob guys, they yeah. don't tell you that he's, you know, they don't set it up as exposition. Well, I'm going to find out who killed my brother and mm. I'm going up there and blah, blah, blah. It's but you all, know that's what's happening. It's all, it's all between the lines. It's all yeah. kind of like, you know, you have to pick it up and find out what happened. They don't tell you how the brother died. You don't even know how that the brother died. It's all like, um, why are you going up there, Jack, to find out what happened? Well, mm. the police said it's all right. That's not good enough. And all when that, you think, yeah. what, what's, what's it all about? Yeah. So, and I think, I think with that scene as well, it's all what's not said rather than what, you know, we're used to watching films where it'll they come tell in you and people will go, yeah, exposition, 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 yeah. and this is this, and I want to know this, and yada, 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 and it's not. He's literally just there kind of checking people out but I totally letting them know that he's there. Yeah, but I complete, I was completely with it, knew what was mm. happening, knew what he was doing. It's, it's just like that opening scene. So, you're like you say, they didn't it, they didn't lay, lay out the track for us to tell us everything. Yeah. It's just breadcrumb, breadcrumb. Yeah. But still, I, could sit, I sat there and watched and was like, I exactly know what's happening. I exactly know mm. what you're setting up for me and what I'm following and where this is heading. Um, you know, just, but just, just to the next scene to like why he's going up North and that, but yeah. what happens next, of course, I don't know until those crumbs start falling as well, because I also found, although he was very, Carter was very loving of his brother and his niece, got fuck all care for anyone else. Well, really. yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, literally, he's he's like a robot. Yeah. Except around his niece slash, or is it his daughter? You know? Well, Cause, yes, cause exactly. About if that's his daughter. I mean, yeah. and one of the things I noticed watching it second time, and it might be nothing, it might just me, be me connecting dots that don't exist, is they've got exactly the same hair colour. Mm. And I yeah. mean, like, exactly the same hair colour. Yeah. And I think his brother's got black hair. We don't yeah. see the mother because the mother's gone at that point, yeah. if I remember. Yeah. Uh, and he's well, who I thought was his wife or her mother isn't. She's just his dolly bird his, who's yeah, his around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I there was a couple of scenes where him and, uh, and I actually I genuinely love the scenes between Jack and um, his niece. And mm. it's like, like you say, those are the only scenes where he shows any genuine affection or warmth. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, Michael Caine becomes a brilliant actor because it's all in his eyes. That, yeah, especially the scene where he's watching the uh, basically the homemade porn movie. Oh, yeah. 
that his it, yeah. it would appear that his niece or daughter has been tricked into or forced mm. into doing with yeah. these people and just watching him watch that is it's brilliant yeah. and then his reaction afterwards well too. yeah how you can see him going from a kind of like amusement to mm. watching this dreadful you know stagger movie yeah. and then realizing who you know he's just clearly watching this going this is stupid yeah and then he realizes who's in it yeah and it's all in his face there's yeah. no like there's there's a the thing he says, I think it's in, either in the commentary or in one of the little interviews I'd seen where he says. Real people don't react to stuff. Actors tend to react to stuff. So if, if you get some bad news, mm. you, you, your brain tends to just shut down. So if you get a phone call saying your nan's died or whatever, you just yeah. kind of go, oh, OK, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. You down. Where if you're an actor, you go, oh, my God. Oh, mm. I'm so upset. And he, you know, and he plays that. And that's that's the reality he plays. Like he was criticized for being like really cold around. There's a scene where he go, he breaks it. Well, not breaks into the house. He lets himself into the house, his brother's house. Yeah. And he finds the brother laid in state in, in the back bedroom. Yeah. And, there were people, you know, he said, well, people are asking me why I wasn't acting. And I was acting. I'm acting a person. I'm acting Jack Carter and how you were an actor, mm-hmm. which is just with calm yeah. you know yeah. he's not going to drop to his knees and start blubbering and going going for the going for the oscar you know well no and uh, also it's it's uh it's it's almost unbritish too as well especially yeah sort of then in a way i tell um, you what th- this movie couldn't be more british if it tried like one of the things i loved about it because i'm not i've got to say i like goodfellas but i'm not generally into like gangster mobster type movies mm-hmm. um they tend to air a bit too much on the violent for the sake of being violent for me to not really yeah. Yeah. be that into them but the th- one of the things i genuinely did like about this film is that um the dialogue is like so very british like it's all bloody hells and piss offs and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like i reckon if you did if you made a drinking game where you did a shot every time somebody said bloody you'd probably die yeah. Um, <laughs> because it just I, it, it happens of, so often. Yeah. So you watch them like this, and you realise how much kind of Americanisms have come over. Really, yeah. like I remember, um, I remember the middle finger, the bird coming over, right? Because yeah. it was always V's. Mm-hmm. Every you know, oh, yeah, you've you've the the yeah. And I remember the middle finger coming over, <laughs> coming over, and being picked up. I'm going, can we not do that? <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I'm, you know, I don't want to get jingoistic, but we got the V's. We don't need. We got. Yeah, that's twice as good. We don't need the middle. Thing. <laughs> well, because I, I was just doing um, I was just doing a little shop of horrors with a youth group here, and um, the director decided that he wanted to change the the language in a scene where Orin, so Orin, the you know sadistic dentist, who's an asshole, yeah. who you know. Um, he's yelling at Audrey and he just says fricking. He says fricking a lot. Now we know what he's really saying, mm-hmm. but, the, but the director decided to change it to fuck, fucking. How could you forget your fucking jacket? Yeah. Um, and had the young actor say it twice. And I'd not heard it until this this night in the theatre, and it really kind of like <laughs> made my head snap. To did yeah. I just hear? Because it's a youth group as well, you see. Yeah. And I'm you know I'm not naive to think that these teenagers don't use a language we do because of course they do because i did at their age yeah but um i was surprised 
to hear it and had a conversation with the director about it. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I told him to do it. I said, that's fine. I don't think you need to use it twice because mm. I think once is enough. Twice is just twice is when you get an 18 certificate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once, once is a fifteen. You know, well, that's literally like in movies now. It's one, it's one of my personal little bugbears. Yeah, is we've got all these kind of you know brilliant comic book movies coming out and science fiction movies and stuff, but they don't want to get a PG. Yeah, with them, and most of them, are, you know, general audience. So they'll stick an F bomb in there just yeah. to lift yeah. it out of yeah. that thing because they know it's more commercial. Yeah. I'm like, no, because I want to be able to watch these. Yeah, you know, these are completely suitable to watch with my nephews. My nephews, yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's the uh, thing, that, like, with the show, because we, because we shifted the timeline to the 70s. Mm. So you wanted to, and that's also, that's fine. I get it, but let's not do it twice. Yeah. And I had uh, uh, one of the other management team with me, and she was like, "Why did?" Because we played Orin British, made him a punk, British punk. Yeah. It was like we need a different word, so. And our, our other member in the management team said, why doesn't he say bloody? Because in the 70s when I was growing up, said to say bloody yeah. was really rude. And I yeah. said, even me growing up in the early 80s, I wasn't allowed to say bloody or bloody hell. Or if I did, yeah. I got into serious trouble for it. Yeah. And so that's what we did do. We changed it to something very British as well. As well even crap was really strong. I remember yeah. Dave Allen getting in trouble for saying crap on the telly. I used to love now, Dave crap Allen. barely even registers as profanity anymore so much especially american kids shows i swear i swear so much in my everyday life that i am immune to any swear now i think i barely even notice that they're there yeah i i i am too but i think because of because of where i was and this was a show and i know it's going out to families and it's like oh that was a bit of a shock i'm not adverse to it but is i mean i mean you know me i i effing blind like it's punctuation right oh yeah me too <laughs> but it's, it's all it's all in context you know it's all like yeah, yeah. when i'm with me mates that's one thing it's different you know if i'm aware of why it's there and it kind of it kind of offends me if i'm watching like an adult movie as in a film for adults not a porno yeah. <laughs> and, and there's and there's an all the way through that's fine yeah i kind of object when it's just and i know it's just been put in there for for like a commercial reason yeah. you know it's not there for any story reason Whereas, or anything like that because when you come back to get carter of course the swearing is all there for good reason for part and well, parcel well there's very and, little you know i don't think there's any f-bombs in no there's not there's no there's no strong so, so like you that. can have it's, like it's, an adult yeah this is clearly an, a, a movie for adults this isn't like a teen no. movie or anything like mm. that this it's is literally a film for grown vi- yeah the sex and violence yeah. And the content of this film, aside from just the sex and violence, is what makes it an adult movie. Yeah. Um, and it's all it's almost it's like like there's the bit where um he says something like, Oh, the only reason I've come back to this crap house of a city or whatever. Mm. Think, That's so that feels like so tame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it's all, all, that's what I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And then but when you do put it into the context of when this was made. Yeah. It's like then that would have been all oh, that would have been. Oh, that's quite shocking. Oh, he said crap. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember when um, obviously I, used, I remember talking to my granddad years and years when I was a kid. He, he died when I was about 13. So I was much younger and we were watching some film or other. And it was set in, you know, I think it might have been something like a bridge too far or something like that. And there's an F-bomb in that. Mm. 
And he may be saying, oh, we didn't we didn't say that. We didn't use that language then. Yeah. And and I know that when, for example, there's a, there's a I can't think what it's called now. There was a, there was a, um, a Western TV series, a HBO TV series. And I can't think what it's called now. Deadwood. Deadwood. That was it. Yeah. And yeah. it's all effing it's all, all the way effing and jeffing. Yeah. And they said when they when they wrote that, it was originally written with authentic Wild West swearing. Mm. And he said, but you do that and it becomes ridiculous because it's all gold, darn, dag, nabbits and all that kind of <laughs> which was hard language at the time. It becomes calamity but Jane. Now it's just comedy. <laughs> it's just comical. So yeah. you can't if you so you'd literally have these hard men just going, gold, darn it, dag, nabbit, you're backstabbing, hornstwaggler, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just ridiculous. So you have to kind of update the language to yeah. what the, the modern equivalent would be. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I kind of, I, I get that, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a funny line to, to but, but anyway, just talking about, so we've done the, done, we've done the violence, we've done the language. Can we talk about sex? We've got to talk about sex. <laughs> so I, I want to get on record right with, with writing a wrong of mine, because if anybody's heard me on a podcast before talking about sexy times in movies, you may have heard me pull out the Careful. sad, prudish. Uh, well, you, well, no, here's the thing, right? So like before I knew I was asexual, I would watch movies like, say, uh, The Fifth Element was one that stuck in my head, where mm. I was like, we don't need that scene at the end where they're blatantly fucking in a pod because – you can you can allude to them having said we don't have to and I was doing that whole you know you can show somebody in bed with the mussy hair and it you know that you don't have to show the sex like why would you bother that the, right I want to shut my old self back up what that was was me being asexual and not fucking knowing about it yeah, yeah. and yeah. therefore judging everything that was too sexy as why are you forcing sex on me though lads because I didn't know yeah, yeah. that it that it. Yeah. Like, but I was so convinced that I was like broken mentally or physically because I wasn't horny all the time or I wasn't thinking about sex all the time. I didn't enjoy watching sex or whatever. So I was so convinced that I was a twat that I would then sort of like project that onto the movie and be like, no, it's your fault that you don't even need to put what have you put that there for. Um, so I would like to like just say to anybody who's heard past Ace, be a dickhead about sex scenes in movies and just say that I've reevaluated my opinion now that I understand my own damn self <laughs> and, uh, and and I'm a little less of a shithead about it. It's all about that, growth and growing. That being said, <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. All, all of that being said, I've never felt more awkward in my entire fucking life than during that phone sex scene. Uh, uh, just sitting there with my husband on the sofa while a woman rocks in a rocking chair and he tells another woman to fill up her own tits. Like I couldn't, my whole it, like oh. that it made me itch. I didn't oh, like it. It's super uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so, it's so weird, isn't it? And it's super unerotic. Now I yeah. I don't know how that was received at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like it might have been. I'd have to go. I don't. I've read a few reviews and I don't remember anybody saying, "Oh, it's it's you know so erotic and yada yada yada." Because it, watching it now, it just feels like you know the 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 violence is unsexy the settings are unsexy mm-hmm. you know um everything else is unsexy i can't believe that they made wanted the sex to be sexy mm. the, you know it's it's very it's all very squalid and and english and pale and and unimpressive you know and so just, i 
but Sorry. that was the first time I'd ever seen phone sex or anything even remotely like that. So I, I could believe that that was a, a bit of a groundbreaker of a yeah. scene. Yeah. For that to be, and for it to be like a three-way almost. Well, well, that's well not even almost. It is. It's a three-way. She's, the, she's the, getting the off point of her rocket is that she's enjoying. Yeah, yes. he's he's having the phone sex with Britt Eklund while deliberately doing it in front of the landlady getting to, yeah, to, getting to turn her on, basically. It's foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, again, it's all, but it's also kind of very kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't have to say without kind of giving away. <laughs> you know myself or giving away <laughs> secrets but it's very it's your very basic it's it's the most basic chat sex chat that you mm. could yeah ever expect is, yeah yeah i'm imagine but then again sex at the time is very basic mis- i mean very missionary you know what i mean you can I mean, tell that by the sex scene that they showed between him <laughs> and his yeah, when it's just kind of i mean i remember when we were talking i don't even remember when we were talking about American Wealth in London. You and we, you were saying that the the sex scene with Jenny Agatha was very unsexy. Yeah, it's very awkward. And I, and yeah, I was yeah. saying, well, that's you know, that's the time. You know, yeah. it's before everybody'd seen hardcore porn. You know, we we're we're literally living in a a hardcore porn culture now. Everybody you know, has seen whatever porn hub and whatever. Back then it wasn't, and it was all very missionary, and everything was about as sexy as seeing a guy doing push-ups. <laughs> And that's literally what Michael Caine is doing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just bobbing up and down. That's, oh, that's all he's doing. Literally just rocking back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, 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 it's so flat, that sequence, that I couldn't yeah. fathom out how he was getting the sort of, like, you know, projection to actually exactly. like, move at all. Like, how I mean, is he... But he had more action falling out of the bed than he was having in it. <laughs> that was genuinely funny. That, that genuinely was funny. made me yeah. I mean, that. It made me I mean, laugh. there is... There, I mean... It is a funny film. Yeah. I think, and I do think the humour is completely intentional. I mean, the bit where, the the line that got me, I had to, I had to pause it, was the bit where he goes to the to the house where there's the party and yeah. there's, there's the guy throwing up in the, in the pool, in the, in the pond. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, what's his name? Is it Brian Mosley? You know, he comes yeah. out and he goes, stop spewing on me goldfish. Yeah, and I, I thought I was a brilliant. I had to write it down. For a start, nobody says spewing anymore. No, and no, it, it that shot me right back to when people. Yeah, you know, I thought, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's George it puke this, puke that. You know, yeah. You used to say, but even, even him like knocking on his and ringing his own doorbell and then having a go at his daughter. Is this what yeah. you call just having a few friends round? Is it? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. It was yeah. great. Oh I, yeah, and the, yeah. There's a few, there's a few bits of humour in there that's terrific, and like I say, the 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 bar singer as well. I mean, and but it's him walking through the house, buck naked, with the yeah. shotgun, and then the old deer next door basically throwing a, a milk <laughs> yeah. bottle to the ground, which is shocked I'm, to see him naked. That's a total Benny Hill gag. That's yeah, literally a Benny Hill gag. And there's, and yeah, and there's um, what I thought was interesting, and I think it's again it's a sign of the times, is I like the fact that um. Michael Caine clearly hasn't been to a gym in his yeah. life. Yeah, that's a, that's just a, a seventies physique. You can yeah. imagine. I've I've not seen the remake, and we can get to the remake. Oh, uh, do we have to at some point? <laughs> I imagine if I don't know if that scene's in the Stallone version, but I can imagine that being very, you know clearly being shot to show off his muscles and yada yada yada. Oh, and he'd have a much 
taught a higher ass and everything. Yeah, and I and I, I thought it was very interesting that we don't see Michael Caine's ass. Yeah. Um, because it's clearly a film that allows nudity and you figure, you know, there's a shot where you see from behind and he's walking down the stairs with a shotgun. Um, and you figure there's going to be at least an arse shot there just to establish he's naked, that that he's naked, you know, and there's not, and I kind of stood out to me and I figure that's because Michael Caine's probably doing that scene himself. He hasn't even, they can't even afford a body double. Yeah, they haven't got him a butt double. It's, it's just yeah, the, yeah, and that's what it is. It's, he's literally yeah. doing that scene himself. So he's just, it's it's they haven't got the budget no. <laughs> to no. to shoot that as a body double, you know. So he's just doing it. But I thought I thought that was an interesting thing. But I thought again, you know, and, and I'm I'm sure it's it's literally down to you know mm. sexism, blah blah blah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. want to see you know the women naked's fine, but the <laughs> but it's but it's like I say it's a, as we were talking about it's a very unsexy film. It is. There's, there's nudity. Yeah. But it's not erotic no. nudity. And it's very, he's very almost callous with the way he has his phone sex with his, his girlfriend who's, yeah. she married or just has a boyfriend already? Yeah, she, she's, she, yeah, she's either, she's in a relationship. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite catch on to what he that was, apart from he was having an affair with her. Yeah, she's in a, a relationship with one of the mob yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. The mob bosses at the start. Um, but you just got the I got the impression that he's as cold almost about how he does that in front of another woman to get her off to then end up in bed with her anyway. Yeah. Um, as he is about going out and just starting killing people. Yeah. I mean, he's he, I, I mean, I loved it when he went to that multi-story place with the sex kitten and yeah. he has a big argument and tells the bloke to do one basically as he's, he's storming yeah. off. But when he then goes back and has it out with him. And then he's like punching the shit out of him. And I thought he's going to throw him over, isn't he? Nah, maybe he won't. And then he bloody does. He just throws him over the stairs. Yeah. And, like, and it's just, and it's, again, it's shocking because it's it's not particularly, yeah, by modern standards, that's not a particularly brutal beating. It's not. Know? There's not, not a lot of blood and broken teeth flying everywhere. Flying everywhere. And the way you just, you know, and it's, again, it's, um, it's messy. It's, I want to say it's basically realistic. Yeah. You know, he just it's kind just of grabs him and swings him over. Of the way he just yeah. rolls him over the side. And then he just, you know, almost brushes his hands off and just yeah. trots back down the stairs and goes but to his car. And well, I thought the, the brilliant bit of kind of brutal punctuation to that was when you, you look over, the camera looks over, you see the body's landed on a car. Yeah. And there are people in the car and there's like, a, I think in the commentary they say it's a mum and two kids being taken yeah. at the car. Yeah. And you and you see these two girls being being taken at the back seats of the car, and I thought that's such a that was a genuinely genius bit of mm. filmmaking to go that violence just doesn't affect the people, you know, the person throwing the punch, the person being hit, it affects everybody else. It yeah. affects people around. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And I thought that was such a great, yeah, clever bit of extra stuff because we're so used to seeing car chases where you know. They, you know, they'll knock over like a fruit stall and stuff yeah. like that. And but yeah. you know, you, and or, or you'll see bits where they'll they'll crash a car and then you'll see some some they'll climb out the car and go, oh, that's a bit wobbly, you know. Yeah. yeah. And there's no kind of peripheral damage, you know, you know, peripheral victims. So to to show that, I thought it was really kind of impactful. It was, and then to get to, uh, I'm going to skip to the ending. But to get to the ending where he finally, you know, he tracks down the guy that mm. we'd already met, 
who'd set yeah. up his brother as you know and and killed his brother yeah and, and set up his niece stroke possibly daughter yeah as well and um see i was i was watching it and i thought oh, that's great so he's done all the killings he's got his revenge we know that the other boss guy has phoned up a hitman to say do you know jack carter basically i want rid of want rid of yeah um and he's about to sling his shotgun into the sea and then shot in the head and dead yeah i was really pissed off by that ending but, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, brilliant. I thought when you know you just won't i mean they they fought against it at the time the, the film studio mgr i think it was didn't want him to die because they got well we might want to do sequels Make sequels yeah yeah uh, and again this is kind of like the bravery again of michael kane i know i'm saying i found like i'm really going bouncing backwards and forwards because I've just spent like ages slagging off Michael Caine's acting, and then mm-hmm. and now I'm going, yeah, but this is really brave of him that he'll do this. Yeah, but then I like says, Michael oh, Caine, so it's fine. So yeah, so <laughs> it's yeah, I don't, I just, I just swing. So um, that the fact he'll go, no, just kill me off. Yeah. And the fact you could kill people off then, you know, there, there was, you there could. was less, less of an interest in, on franchise. But also, you know, I... sequels existed, but not as much. Like I mean, like literally, Michael Caine had just done three. Um, spy movies, you know, Ip Crestfall yeah. and, yeah. and Harry Palmer. You've done three of those. But so, I also, I kind of, I, I link, but I did link it back to, well, maybe it's a little bit Hayes Codish because he's done all of these bad things. And even though a bad person has ended his life, it's like, should the bad person get away with all the bad things they do? Because two wrongs don't make a right. I, I think if yeah. it did, that comes from the, the director. I don't yeah. think that comes from people going, well, he's got to be punished. No, quite. I think that's, that's yeah. the, because yeah, um, that was over and done with. Right that time going, anyway. No, this is, this is his arc. This is, yeah. he's a bad guy. Yeah. The, you know, the bad guys are going to be punished in this film and he's a bad guy. So he has to get his comeuppance as well. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's not an avenging angel. You know, he doesn't have any redeeming qualities himself. He's not, well, that's nice. it. He's, I mean, nice he has his, yeah, he has his moments. He's clearly at the point we've seen it before. Like the, the we literally saw it with um, Gross Point Blank. Mm. You know, the, the you know the, the cold-hearted killer who goes through, you know, a revelation. He has a moment of clarity and wants out, kind of thing. So it's it's all, it's interesting to watch this in relation to that yeah. because this is going. This is this is the filmmaker going. No, he doesn't get to have that. Yeah. He doesn't get to go to the, I can't remember if he said he's in the Bahamas or South America. He's yeah, about, he's, he's leaving yeah, he's with go. Yeah, he's yeah. his uh let's just call her his daughter. He wants his daughter to go with go him with. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um he can, you know, he's not gonna get that moment. And it's it's so underplayed. They could have really milled that because mm-hmm. you find out that Britt Eklund gets, you know, punished, gets cut up. So that yeah. You know, his daughter has got her own her own plans, mm. um, and you feel like he can't. You know, he like he wants to explain to her what the deal is, what the, you know, his daughter, is, but he can't do that yeah. because that's not what men did. Yeah. Then, the, yeah. you know, and I've seen this in in you know older the older generation, men in the older they just throw money at anything. They do, and and it's like the ending does make sense. It mm. still does not escaped me that it annoyed me at the same time <laughs> I, I think sad. i think the worst thing they could have done was have a happy ending yeah yeah i th- I, th- I actually the, the ending was what threw me a little bit in terms of trying to figure out how i was how i felt about the film because up until that point i was just sort of like eh, that's been a collection of sounds and images that have been into my eyes and ears and then that mm. happened and i was like 
oh, is this movie good, though? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, uh, do I like it now? Uh, I think the answer is I still don't really know. I, I think yeah. you're going to have to percolate on it. Like I say, from, mm. and he, here's the thing, talking about the killer at the end, he's literally in the first shot. Well, not the first scene. The bit where you see him on the train, where you see Jack on the train, mm. and it goes through the passages. His assassin is in the carriage with him. The mm. guy with the ring, the jail yeah. ring. Yeah. He's in. So uh, Jack's death has been preordained already. He's doomed from the, the moment he steps on that train, See, which I'm kind not... of blew, blew my mind. It's like, oh, my God. And I can actually feel myself enjoying the film more as we talk about it. <laughs> I'm just not... I start, you know, I start off going, yeah. And now I'm just going, but he's on the train already. Subtext, man. Subtext. See, I, I enjoyed the film, but I am so not observant to every little detail here and there that I miss that completely. Well, it's it I mean, it's it's super, super subtle. I didn't yeah. get it first time round. I only saw it second time round. Yeah. And and even then I had to, I had to go and check because you don't even see the assassin. You see his face in like one quick scene in the phone call. Mm. And I think it was just the ring I saw. I thought, well, why are we looking at this guy? And I saw the ring, and I went, nah, <laughs> nah, could it be? Um, and then you, you know, you do the Google, go, oh, it is, it yeah. is. So it's, you know, yeah. it's, but it's it's a super subtle movie for for all its big stuff, you know, the kind of it's it's a you know, it's really under so, which is why I'm kind of interested in seeing the Stallone movie just to see oh. how much they screw it up I was going to say because, I've got no interest in the because, I mean, that movie. I, mean, I don't like Stallone Jen I'm not a Enter. huge fan but no. I don't I don't think I'll watch it but I know that Michael Caine has a cameo in it yeah he plays um uh Cliff Brumby he plays Brian Mosley's right. character who gets chucked off the, the yeah. car park yeah he plays, he plays him but um but yeah, it's but okay. Here's here's another here's another factoid, right? Uh, Get Carter's been remade twice. The second one was the Stallone one in 2000, I think it was, okay. which was received so badly in America they didn't even release it in the UK because they figured <laughs> if the Americans are going to hate it, the Brits are going to tear it apart because it's, we're we're remaking a Brit movie, so they're they're naturally disposed to dislike remakes yeah. anyway. So he didn't even get a a cinema release over it but it had been remade already the year after get carter came out in 1972 a film called hitman was released which was a black exploitation remake and we've talked about this before because it was made by george armitage who directed gross point blank and when we were talking about gross point blank i went through george armitage's um catalog and i mentioned that he'd done a black exploitation movie called hitman Mm. And that's the real. We didn't plan this, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I should pretend that this was deliberate, but it's not. So it's we, not because I've also forgotten about that as well. Yeah. So yeah. So it was. So it was like because I was like reading up and going, "Wait, Hitman? I'm sure we've we've done that before." And <laughs> uh, yeah, so that one I do want to do want to see. And the way that was made was, I think it was Roger Corman who was like, you know, the complete B movie king in the in the sixties. He basically just tore the title page off the script for Get Carter, gave it to George Armitage and just rewrite, rewrite that. We got this draft, rewrite that as a black exploitation movie. 
George Artish didn't know he was rewriting a, a remake script. He just thought he'd been given a script that either, you know, Cormer uh, had written himself or he, you know, some other writer he commissioned to do. So he didn't know until the film came out and people were just going, hey, that's that's get Carter. Because it was only a year later. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So so that one I do want to do want to see. But yeah, yeah, the Stallone movie, I'm, I'm sure is. Dying. I'm sure it's terrible, and I'm sure I'm gonna. <laughs> they did. Stay I, did. Clear of it. I mean, they remade the Italian job as well around about that time as well, didn't they? They did, and do you know, I've watched both, but I, they're so different because although yeah. they're the same title, all they've done in a remake, and they literally say it is, let's just do the Italian job. Yeah. But otherwise, I, 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 I get, I get the feeling with the Italian job. I mean, I've not seen the remake because it's Marky Mark, and I can't stand Marky Mark. Um, <laughs> so. Um, I just get the feeling they had a script, they had a heist script, yeah. and they just went, well, you know, again, that was around about that time where, you know, Cold Britannia was going on, yeah. Yeah. Austin Powers, Spice Girls, yeah. all that stuff, and they just went, what have we got that we could pin this on? And they said, <laughs> oh, we'll do it as a, as a remake of The Italian Job, and we'll steal that bit of Cold Britannia, you know, hype um, to go, you know, to go along with. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, so it's been remade um, twice, but I I just thought that was wild that it, yeah. that we'd actually mentioned it um, previously. Well, to go back to something that you and Stace were saying earlier about uh, whether or not Michael Caine do voiceover work, he has done voiceover work. Has he? He's done about five or six movies where he's done voiceover work because he was in Romeo and Juliet one and two. <laughs> Uh, he did some other film I can't remember the name of. He was in Cars 2, Pixar's Cars 2. I'm, I, I bet these are just cameos, though, right? Uh, right? And he's the salamander in um, the Five Children and It when Sky TV did it. He was the voiceover for the salamander. They, oh, I, I don't even know. I don't know that. I, don't remember. The, I remember Five Children, the BBC. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember, yeah, that's how I remember it. But I, I did watch little bit of the sky one but uh, i'm i'm like you know rose tinted glasses the the one i grew up with as a kid yeah. was always the best one like with yeah. narnia yeah um, but yeah he did the voice and um, basically it was just the salamander was just a cockney <laughs> little asshole basically yeah. that was it but I, I, I'm, yeah i'd have to check those out and maybe i'd just eat crow and go oh, okay when he's doing voice acting he can I don't think you will eat your hat on that one, to be honest. I don't don't think you will, no. Because here's the thing, like, I've sort of argued this before. There are some actors, learning how to act generally does tend to help voice actors. Uh, I'm not going to argue that point. But, like, not every actor can voice act and vice versa. And, like, I I think a prime example of that for me was Marvel's What If, where Sebastian Stan couldn't even play the character he plays on screen as just a voice. Like, And there were a few few of them in that. I mean, I still haven't finished that series because it really grinded all my gears that somehow people could play the characters. The the big one for me, the big standout kind of, oh, that's clearly... And a good actor doesn't make a good voice actor. Was um, what's his name? The the guy who played RoboCop playing Batman in in the Dark Knight animated movie. Um, oh, I know the guy you mean, but I can't yeah, remember his name. Yeah, and it's killing me that I should know this. <laughs> I'll quickly do a IMDb. Yeah, do I'll I'll just seamlessly kind of carry on. on. Yeah, and then yeah, Harry what? So um, yeah, so it was 
Peter, uh, Paul Peter Weller. Weller. Peter Weller. Peter, Peter Weller. Oh, yeah, Paul Weller's yeah. the singer, isn't it? Peter Weller. Yeah, Peter Weller. <laughs> no, no, he's great. I, I think he's brilliant. As a, he's a terrific in Robocop, terrific in Buckaroo Banzai, but you know, done also as terrific. Voice actor as Batman sounds like a given, right? Because Robocop is essentially Batman. But it, it, but it's it's such a monotone. He's again, he's so minimalist. You can't be that kind of minimalist mm. as a voice actor because you have to put everything. Although there's there's animation going there, you have to animate with your voice at the same time. Mm. They're yeah. animated drawings, you know. Um, We've got yes. so topic. We are. We have, yeah. We've drifted. But anyway, so the other the other thing I wanted to mention about Get Carter was. And I'm genuinely falling in love with it. And the more I talk about it, <laughs> it is this is so bad. But I like it when this happens. Mm. There's certain films you watch and you'll enjoy it when you're watching it. And then the next day you go, eh, I don't feel the need to watch that again. You know? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a single watch movie. And, and there's other films that will kind of live with you and kind of, and seeping to you as, as the, mm-hmm. that is the one you go oh yeah 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 uh, and i think that's going to be one of these so i can so i can see me in six months being the kind of get carter nerd that i was slagging off yeah <laughs> go. yeah go, those wankers who just watch it over and over again <laughs> um and i'm going to be that guy but um what, what i thought was interesting was that there's another gangster movie another british gangster movie that came out about 10 years later called the long good friday yeah. Starring Bob Hoskins. No H in Hoskins. So <laughs> yeah. have either of you seen that? I know the title, but I don't believe I've seen it. Okay. So that's then now that's a re- no, I'd I'd already seen that and that's a really good movie. That's that's terrific. That's basically London Gangsters versus the IRA. If that was made now, that would be the plot. That would be the title. You know, like you've got <laughs> Super Anaconda versus Dragon whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, Mobsters versus IRA. Uh, and that's a really good movie. That's a terrific movie. But it feels like a sequel to Get Carter. It, it, there's a lot of similar themes. Like mm. one of the underlying themes of Get Carter is about like the, the corruption and the urban regeneration and, you know, things being knocked down and rebuilt and, mm. so, and so on. Yeah. And that's one of the subplots or one of the sub themes of The Long Good Friday is, you know, Bob Hoskins' character. He's trying to get in. He's, he's got he's got kind of like delusions of grandeur. He wants to get into Europe and he wants to get into, you know, the, the scene set in the Docklands in 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 London where they're being regenerated and stuff like that. And it, it almost feels like get Carter 10 years on, you know, like the next the next chapter. So that's a brilliant film. Like that's that's another one. Like if we hadn't, I, I was almost tempted to say, should we do a double bill? But I, but it's just watching one of these things is a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to fit it in and get those. You know, doing two would feel like a take of the piss. Uh, and also the episode would be like four hours long. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the Long Good Friday is is really good. I think if you, de- I definitely recommend that to to you, Stace. If you didn't, you know, if you didn't quite click with Get Carter, I think you click with the Long Good Friday because that's more. I don't want to say mainstream because it's not mainstream, but you've got more to hang your hat on with that one. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's more of a twisty, turny plot where it's clearly 
things are moving and, and changing and shifting and there's stuff to get your teeth in with that. I think it's a bit more polished as well, isn't it? Um, Only a tiny bit, because yeah. I, th- I think like I was saying, it's right at the tail end. And that was 1980. Yeah. And it's right at the end of that kind of dodgy looking um, cheap film stock thing. Yeah. And it's also it's, it's also got the great theme tuned <laughs> as well. <laughs> the Get Carter. Yeah. So you've got the Get Carter theme and the Long Good Friday theme. They feel like twins. You know, they yeah. feel like you know they're, they're part of a set. Um, but but that, that that would be one I'd like just to do that. But because we've done Get Carter now, I wouldn't want to do another British gangster movie. Maybe next year. Until next this, year, yeah. This time next year we'll hit that one. Because I have to say, what I think what has proven interesting about using this film as a film none of us has seen is the reaction each of us has had to it and how mm. it is almost, it's not made a divide, but how it has split the three of us as well. But also it's, the talking of it has has um, has allowed for you to find nuances and things that you really did like about this film yeah. that grows more and more as you talk about it because... It's, the, the, it's interesting to watch it without the weight of this is so-and-so's favourite. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, to to not happen. have that kind of, well, oh, God, if I hate this, are they, are they going <laughs> to hate That's the end me? of our friendship, and I don't know if that's the end yeah, of the podcast, I mean, and I just it, can't, oh. It genuinely feels like shit's at stake sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would like to think that you know that, that when I talk about our friendships ending, that I'm actually joking, and that I'm not well, the I'm, kind of I'm not the kind of person who would hate you for liking or disliking a thing. Well, I am that kind of person. <laughs> so the so stakes far. are fully we're, on your. We're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, but we've done it to you like twice, nearly three times. Well, I'm I'm now convinced that you're just trolling me now. I mean, <laughs> we're at a point where you're going. He thinks we're going to hate this one. Let's, let's, love it. Let's, love it. let's take the piss and like it it's i mean it's it's not like we send each other you know dark shrouded photos of us brandishing knives and you know with the <laughs> idea that you will like this film I'm, I'm sure that yeah i'm sure i'm the one who goes yeah let's not talk about it until yeah. we record and you go yeah blah 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 or radio them. silence mate it is radio yeah. i think we've only had one maybe one film where Stace and I are like, oh, shit. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> let's yeah. not bring it up again. Oh, really? Let's not bring yeah, it up again. But we're not bringing up that one. No. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about that one. We don't talk. Um, it's like we don't talk about Bruno. Um, so are we, I, are we, shall we wrap this up now? Are we, yes, a point I where think so, yeah, because I think, like I said, I think having done this film, which has proven uh, a really good subject matter for the pod, yeah. being a complete never seen um, and even those states, you thought this would be one that you'd probably be a bit radio silent on. You, I mean, you've spoken more about this one than you did about all about Eve. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, you're still here. Yeah, I think, I think actually, it might it might have been the fact that that having you pair here to talk about it with because I did. Rich didn't watch the whole thing with me. He was in the mm. bath for like the first like hour of it, um, yeah. and it's only like an hour fifty two or something like that. Um, yeah. So like. I d- yeah, I don't know if you've piqued my enthusiasm a little bit because I was very worried because then I only wrote down six notes, right? So, like, I was genuinely worried that I would have zero things to say, especially because one of those notes was, how sad is this funeral? There's only four people there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, that's something else. Actually, you've reminded me. There's a good bit I wanted to mention. Talking about the, the, the level of reality compared to, like, a Hollywood movie, compare the funerals. 
right? Yeah. yeah. If this yeah. had been a Hollywood movie, it it would have been like a burial. Church, it would have been, out. Yeah. And the, and the been, Margaret entrance. It would have been, been raining. It would have been umbrellas. Yeah. It would have been a shadowy figure under a tree somewhere. Yeah. It would have been very kind of romantic. But again, and, it, it was just very British. And yeah, all, it's, all the it's angles a, of the, the creme, you yeah, know, and the, the lowering the, of the coffin, shoving yeah, the coffin all that into stuff, the yeah, screwing down the coffin lid, and yeah. that kind of minutiae of this is what death is like. Yeah, and this is what goes on. Like you got the like the tiny little. I actually thought they kind of went a bit counter to what they were saying, but then maybe not. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Um, <laughs> because because I I got the I got the feeling that the point was that. Jack left and he kind of left his family behind and, and all that kind of stuff. I got the feeling that that his Frank, his brother, was supposed to be a bit of an opposite of that. I don't know whether I'm kind of filling in blanks that shouldn't be mm. filled in. Yeah. So I got the feeling that he was um, he was a straight up guy. I didn't get the feeling that he was involved in anything crooked. No, uh, I think he only came onto their radar because he found out about his, yeah, his daughter. He, yeah, and, and then I got the he feeling that his daughter was being, yeah, yeah. was being dragged into it, and that's where he kind of flicked his shit. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I think, I think in the book, it's much in the book. Apparently, the book's really good. I've not read the book, but there's a lot of flashbacks in the book to to Jack and Frank as kids and the relevance of the shotgun. The shotgun's mm-hmm. a really important artifact in the book. That's that's the thing I think they have. I mean, it's a weird, twisted childhood, but it's kind of typical of of, of in the I guess they would in the fifties or forties. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 took the shotgun and they'd spend time together going out shooting, um, think you know at rabbits and stuff and birds for dinner and stuff like that. Living in poverty, they go out, so they bond. So that was an important artifact. That shotgun was an important bonding. Um, thing between between the two brothers that's very significant and i think it's interesting that he doesn't at the end he doesn't kill uh what's his name um i can't yeah is it cyril no it's uh eric Mm. See all the all the names are so bland. You can't yes. go. Oh, he didn't kill. <laughs> but they're Dar. all so so British. These are names. I mean, Eric yeah. was my uncle's name, but you don't hear of <laughs> yeah, Cyril anymore. Yeah. So he he doesn't kill him. He doesn't shoot him with with a shotgun because you figure he's carrying the shotgun around through the whole film and he never fires it. Yeah. So I mean, he beats him to death a bit, but he doesn't yeah. fire it. <laughs> so I I and I thought that's that's got to be significant. That's that means something. I'm sure that yeah. means something that he he doesn't fire the gun so um but yeah I, th- I thought the stuff about the funeral and there was a there was a scene after where they're in the pub and there's just them sitting around and they're mm. talking about frank and you and the camera's just tight on the daughters on doreen's face mm, yeah. and she's just drinking this her drink and clearly just losing it yeah and then she she throws a drink in the face of one of her dad's mates and storms out i thought that was so well done mm. for being under underplayed that you could just and she was a really good actress i don't i don't know if i've ever seen her in anything else but that was you know or even if she did anything but she that was just a really really good moment that you could just feel her losing her rag not even acting it just just the way she was just sipping faster let's mm. go just well done so, but that, that seemed really typical of um the film as a whole really that it was all just kind of completely underplayed and the funeral, like we see the, you know, yeah, the coughing yeah. going into the cremation. Do you know what I thought when she was drinking that drink? I was like, 
I wonder if that's Baby Shav. <laughs> it is Baby Shav. Yeah. They said, they said it's Baby Shav. Of oh, course it's they? Baby Shav. Of course it's, it's Baby Shav. It's the most popular drink for the ladies then. Yeah. Baby Shav in a, oh, you know, in, in, a, in a champagne glass is what a champagne glass used to, used to be anyway. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're terrible, I have to say, at wrapping up. Uh, <laughs> Final thoughts, well, Jenny, go. <laughs> Final thoughts for me are, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed several of the angles taken to shoot it. I liked the griminess of it. I just, yeah, I would return to this film. Uh, and thankful my brother had a copy that I could borrow. So it didn't cost me £3.50 to rent off Amazon. Come on, Amazon, Excellent. it shouldn't cost that much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very enjoyable. How about you, Stace? Um, my final thoughts are that I uh, am torn on this movie because I enjoyed a lot of things about it. I liked how it reminded me of Constantine. I liked how British it was. I liked that he called somebody a hairy faced git. That was very funny to me. Um, I enjoyed, yeah, like sort of everything about the way it looked like it didn't glamorise anything. So that was quite a an interesting mm. take. But I just wasn't like emotionally invested at all. Yeah. So I, I was quite detached from everything that was happening, which doesn't really make for a great cinematic experience. So basically, I don't know. Lee, where are you? <laughs> yeah, so I, I went into it kind of knowing its reputation, wanting to like it, but also knowing this, it carried the weight of people I don't like who love it. Mm. So, you know, that kind of actually, going, oh, I don't want to be that guy who's all, you know, get Carter and all that, you know, you're a big man, but you're out of shape and all that. So, yeah, so I can't, it kind of, yeah, it's growing on me. I can't, I kind of admired it when I was watching it and I appreciated it, but I didn't enjoy it. It, it was just unpleasant, but it's, it's definitely stuck with me over this week and just been percolating away and literally just talking about it now, rewatching it and then talking about it now discovering layers and discovering kind of subtleties and stuff to it yeah um i think it, it is going to grow I me mean, like i i bought it because you can you know i bought it off ebay for like a couple of quid and i thought well i'll buy it for a couple of quid and then i can donate it if it's no good i'll take it to the charity shop i'm going to hang on to it i think mm. um and i definitely want to watch it i want to watch um the long good friday again um and you know quickly you know see how it works as like a, a double bill with it because it feels like but yes i'm just but yeah it's yeah i i i i'm i'm liking it more literally as we as we speak <laughs> well there we are then i have to say for a film none of us have seen and we've got very mixed feelings about i'd say it was a success very <laughs> I was genuinely worried that we would all hate it and this would just be us going, oh, uh, that was shit. That was shit. I think think there's value to that as long. I mean, I do think if if when you listen to a podcast and everybody agrees whether they love it or whether they hate it, I'm slightly bored because I want somebody to speak out. Because somebody in the audience is going to feel different. Somebody listening is going to feel different. I feel like you, you want somebody to represent them i know i've listened to to film to podcasts where they've either slagged off a film i've liked or you know or the opposite and you just feel like oh i'm, I'm getting nothing out of this but i i think but at the same time i don't think i i'd rather us not just go well 
we all hated it, but but shall I pretend I liked it just so we can <laughs> see? I'll do the opposite. Well, I don't think I'm capable of pretending Wait, I like something I don't know. None of us are capable. Yeah, I could do it. None of us are capable of that. We can't we just can't bring ourselves <laughs> imagine, to it. Imagine me trying to go to bat for the great escape. Uh, <laughs> it just wouldn't that happen. Would be easy because it's a classic. <laughs> and um, this is the end of the show. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about not being any good at wrapping these things up. I know, yeah. I know. But you see, if, but going back to what you were just saying, this is why I gave like the first 15, 20 minutes just to you two to trash the film, to come in and say, <laughs> yeah, but I liked it. And that's the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, there we are then. That was Never Seen Get Carter. And uh, thank you so much. <laughs> for listening along with us tonight tonight today whenever the hell you listen we're thankful oh dear it's been a long day so (laughs) and on that note wrap it up jim wrap it up so stace what is it that we are going to be watching for next month because it is your choice so what is our movie yes the next movie we'll be watching is 1997 anime cult classic uh, perfect blue directed by satoshi Kon, and um a movie i only saw last year and i'm now full and wholeheartedly in love with and can't wait genuinely to see what you think because i think this might be a marmite movie <laughs> oh that sounds like a challenge and i fully <laughs> accept it never seen it to be honest uh, when this title was raised i thought isn't that the surfer movie it's yeah, not. I'm never going to see so, a surfer movie. I can I can tell you that. I can tell I you that right say, now. I've never seen a surfer movie. It, yeah, it would have been very off-brand for you to have <laughs> chosen a surfer movie. So okay, so that is our next next month's choice, and we will watch it, and we will get back to you with our thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to that then, as I'm sure Lee does too. <laughs> So uh, if you want to find us on the socials, you can. The pod has its own uh, Twitter and Instagram account at neverseen underscore pod. Stace, where can they find you on the socials? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacey's Parlour. That is Stacey with an E-Y and Parlour with a (laughs) U-R. You are great. Cool. Oh, cheers. <laughs> Lee, my love, where can they find you on the socials? Uh, Twitter at lovelylee underscore G. I think. There you go. Yeah. Yep, that's right. That is indeed it. We do tag us all in our Never Seen uh, tweets quite often and on the Instas as well. So you can definitely find us if you so wish. Join the conversation. Join us. Make us chat and talk about things. And we'll gladly chat back. Or although if it's just to ask this night. Do you want me to do your socials? No. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so, again, right, thank you. And until next time, this is me saying goodbye and Stace. Toodle pit. And Lee. Bye. Until next time, this is Never Seen. Bye.